Change is hard. Change is hard, but staying with change is much harder. This hit me full force in the face two Wednesdays ago. I, was, I arrived at the TriPoint YMCA to teach uh, our Bible study there, as I've done every Wednesday for most, uh, most of the last eight years, and every single parking space was taken. <laughs> I, it looked like Walmart on Christmas Eve. And so I'm... I'm making my circuitous route, and finally, finally, a sweaty guy about my age plops into his, into his Ford SUV and gratefully takes off, and I take his place. And I begin the long journey from the outer reaches to my little classroom, and a young woman who's been in that Bible study for the last seven and a half years caught up with me, uh, and we both surveyed the brigade of cars parked dress right dress in every single crevice of that tarmac and as she surveyed them she got that cynical look on her face and she said well I wonder how many of these cars will be here in April <laughs> of course what she what she knows is what I know is what you know is that these folks these good folks have made New Year's resolutions uh, for 2020, maybe a new decade uh, resolution, that they want to get fitter or thinner or chip away at that soaring cholesterol number. But what they're going to find is what we know is change is hard. Staying with change is much harder. In that, Jesus sounds a lot like one of those overpaid fitness trainers whom we, we pay to rally our inert bodies. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist has been thrown into the basement judge, uh, dungeon of, of, Herod's, of Herod's palace. And so Jesus just takes right up where his second cousin has left off. Repent, make a sweeping U-turn in your daily living. And along the way, you will catch glimpses of heaven. You'll catch glimpses of heaven. And if you think that invitation is radical, the next one is even more so. As Jesus makes his way through the, his new home of Capernaum, he comes across uh, Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, four fishermen from, from long-serving fishing families, from well-established fishing businesses, men from Families we imagine have been moored and in, in Capernaum as their home for generations. And Jesus looks at them and says, follow me and I will teach you to fish for people. I'll teach you how to go deeper in this life and fish for people. And remarkably, against all bets, all four get right up out of, their, out of their boats and they follow Jesus. And you know that that change must have been hard. But we also know from the biblical testimony that staying with the change ended up being much harder. James and John, uh, after a couple of years, get tired of the rudimentary work day in and day out of fishing for people. People can be so, well, slippery. And so they say, listen, we're tired of this. We're ready to be named sultans in your new kingdom. That's right, Jesus. When you finally come into your reign, 
in your glorious reign, one of us wants to sit on your right and one on your left. And if you think that sounds pretty cheesy, think about Simon Peter. Because the last story you can read about in Mark 10, but the next story is in John 21. Peter has been a witness to the risen Jesus. He has actually seen him raised. And yet, how does he respond? He says to all the disciples, you know what? I'm going to go back to fish for fish. I'm going back to fish for fish. And sure enough, he does. And because he's so charismatic, about a bunch of the disciples go with him. We know that James and John go with him. They're disgusted by the fact that Jesus didn't grant their wish, so they're going to go with Pete now. We have to imagine that Andrew went with his brother. And so suddenly, the disciple core is so thinned out, it looks like the YMCA parking lot in mid-April. Because change is hard. Staying with change is much harder. And we know that. You know, and some of us, I hope all of us, have made resolutions or determination to live a new way in 2020. I especially hope that we've made a resolution to draw closer to Christ and live more according to His will. But making that resolution and beginning to live into that resolution is, is an entirely different matter because change is hard, but staying with change is much harder. And I want to take a little bit of the edge off through the biblical story. I want you to, to, to recognize the fact that when, when Jesus calls James and John and Peter and Andrew, he doesn't say, hey, follow me and I'm going to make you a rabbi. Follow me, I'm going to make you a prophet. Follow me, I'll make you a scribe or any, any flavor of religious professional. No, he says, follow me and because you know how to fish for fish, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I am going to lead you to do what you do, but do it more deeply and with more meaning. Now that is tremendous freedom for you and me because I survey this, this group and I see a fashion designer and I see attorneys, I see business folks, I see nurses, I see stay-at-home moms, I see stay-at-home dads, I see a truck driver who will probably leave later today on his routes for HEB. I see nurses, I see physicians, I see electricians, I see retired people in their golden years. And what Jesus is saying, and I see a few preachers, and what Jesus is saying to you and to me is this. Follow me and I will, I will teach you to do what you do but go deeper. You will begin to experience your life at a much, much more profound plane. So that's first. Number two is there's no way to start without repentance. There's no beginning point except through repentance. We have to make a sweeping U-turn in our daily living. That's the way we get started. And what the main change is this. Okay, so you're an attorney. So you're a stay-at-home mom. So you're a music instructor. Whatever it may be. Jesus is saying the repentance that you must go through is to hang a shingle on your forehead saying, I am under new management. I used to work for the law firm for their prosperity. Now my primary goal is to serve Christ. I love my children. I'm raising my children. But my number one goal is to raise them in the love of Jesus Christ. I am a physician and I'm a healer, but I'm only given that ability through him. I'm under new management. That is the repentance required of you and me. 
And I'm going to tell you something else. It's required of the clergy. Our clergy here at anywhere else you might go, Justin and Scott and Eric and Brian and myself, our job is to not to make you comfortable. That's not our job to make you feel great about yourself. Our job is to challenge you to repent and make a new direction in life and stay with that as we look in the mirror and ask God to grant us that power as well. Number three, number three, as you repent and take up this resolution, this change, you're going to catch glimpses, snatches of heaven. It's just like exercise in a lot of ways. Some of you maybe have started your exercise routine, but you know, you start exercising and your body releases endorphins. And in the next morning or the next afternoon when you get back at it, you say, oh Lord, I'm so sore, I can hardly move. But I remember how I felt after, exercise, after I walked around the block a few times or after I, was, after I was on the bicycle or whatever you might do. And you say, whoa, I think I can do that now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it again. Well, the Lord knows this. And as you follow him, he's going to give you glimpses of heaven in the most, un in the most unpredictable ways, in the most unpredictable places. And amongst the most untenable people, the Lord is going to give you and me snatches of heaven in our everyday life. Fourth, most importantly, last point, it's all grace. It's all grace. The one who, the one who calls us is actually the one who, even, who gives us the desire to follow him. Did you know that? The great paradox of the Christian faith is... The very, the very desire to follow Christ is given by Christ. The ability to follow Christ is given by Christ. It's all grace. It's all grace. You know, in what is it, the 12th chapter of Luke, Jesus looks at his kind of beaten down followers. He says, look, fear not, you people who are, who are beaten down. Fear not. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to you today. He wants to equip you and me to make a U-turn and to be under new management. You know, my friend, my young friend, when she asked me, Pat, just how many of these cars will still be here in April? In one luminous moment, I turned to her and said, well, some of them will be. Some of them.